Ronnie O'Nathan, it's good to see you in the studio, mate. Uh, it's probably been a couple of years since uh, you've been here. I think the last time we talked about rates and what was happening out at Oakville. Indeed, and there's been a lot happening since then, so it's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. And, of course, um, what we're talking about, we've sort of got to touch on a couple of things, but um, I, I haven't given you a list of what we talk. You know, well, obviously, you know, the concrete plant at Ebenezer, but the larger issue uh, that you're concerned about is the plan- the planning panels that is installed by the state government taking away democracy and control from council over DAs is a more of interest. So that's probably true, um, Nathan, because some of these decisions, as you say, are taken out of council hands who, who are voted in by the uh, the ratepayers, and all of a sudden the state, when there's the big game, the bottom line, uh, the state governments come in and have these planning committees. What's happening there? All right then. So I'll, I'll approach this from the beginning. Right. So when anybody comes to council with a development application, there are three ways. One is that it could be uh, approved by our council staff under what's called a delegated authority. And if it's unproblematic, if it's just somebody's garden shed or swimming pool or something like that, a lot of them go that way. The controversial ones used to come to us in the council chamber, 12 elected civic representatives who represent the views of the broader community. Now, the third sort are the really big ones. You know, if it's multi, multi-million dollars, if you're, if you're holding the Olympics or a major event or there's a massive piece of public infrastructure, it's taken up to the state government level and it's handled by what's called a planning panel. Now, planning panels have been around for donkey's years, since at least a, for at least a decade, probably more. But what's happened since is, cast your mind back a couple of years, local councils were in the news. There were some, unfortunately, some bad apples. There were some councils that had corrupt councillors, people who were developers, people who were using that elected office and using it for their own gain, and it wasn't a good look. For sure. The state government very properly reacted to that to ensure that there was integrity in the system. But in my humble opinion, I think they've they've gone too far. So what's happened is, for the last two years, every Sydney council and optionally some regional councils have been obliged to buy into this planning panel process. And what that means for people out there is that if you submit a DA to council and it's controversial and people write to me and they write to the other councillors and they expect representation, they say, oh, I don't think this is a good idea, I expect you to do the right thing. Well, we've got to write back to those people and we've got to disabuse them of the idea that we have any agency in that process. It's totally out of our hands. It's given to a committee. Now, here's the thing about planning panels. They're appointed, they're not elected. Very frequently, they're people that don't live in the area, they don't have any skin in the game, and they're not democratically accountable. Now, I do acknowledge that these people probably have subject expertise in planning matters, But in our system, if you remember that show, Yes Minister, you remember Yes Minister? Yes. Jim Hacker, the politician, and Sir Humphrey Appleby, the Mandarin. There was always this tension between democracy and elected representation and people that, you know, are professionals in their field and bring the subject expertise to bear, and there's a balance between the two. I'm not saying that we should abandon this system. I'm just saying that the balance is tipped the wrong way at the moment. And um, a lot of decisions are taken out of our hands. The concrete plant that you cited out at Ebenezer is just one example. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I have serious concerns about that. The crusher, yeah. Out there. It's too close to the local public school. There's a lot of tree cover that'll be taken down. There's upkeep to the roads because there'll be truck movements morning and night. It's very noisy. 
uh, I think there are some deficiencies in that application and that the planning panel ought not approve that. But I don't have any say in that matter. And yet people write to me expecting that I do because that's what council does. You elect your councillors and they make decisions on your behalf. So I think the council, I think the state government should revisit this question of planning panels and they should acknowledge that there are many councils whose house was in order, who were run fairly well, uh, where they provided proper representative uh, uh, engagement with their broader community. There were no conflicts of interest and they should have been left with those powers to make those decisions on the community's behalf. I, I agree with you, Nathan. I, you know, I've lived in, the, this, uh, in the Hawkesbury for over 45 years and I've seen, I've known, I've seen what councillors get, especially the ones that who um, have, um, well, they're developers. I, I'm never, like it's a cat amongst the pigeon. Developers should never have been allowed on council. And, and I, you know, I'm not going to name councillors, but I, I live at Ebenezer near this proposed uh, concrete crusher, which was an absolute nightmare. Um, for, uh, you know, out that way now, someone years ago uh, let double bees come up that road to Stanix Park Road and destroy the sanctity of Ebenezer, which is only probably three kilometres round. You could, when you blink, you've got a school and you've got King's Hardware. That's all we want there. Uh, someone let it in council with under their own merit, let those... Uh, let those um, trucks come up that road so they could turn down Grano Farm Road and um, dump tens of thousands of tyres near the Hawkesbury River. The person will rename, uh, shall name, uh, well, I won't name them because I could end up in court. But when it rains, I used to go pick up a mate there when I was um, landscaping and when 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 it does rain, uh, buried tyres seem to uh, come to the surface for some reason. It must be just something in the ground. Now, there's tens of thousands of ties there in that region and I'm, I'm, I think that uh, this is where they've, they've come from, where they let these double bees, uh, they're coming up, they're, we, in Stanix Park Road, you don't have to turn up there, you have the Better Grow who started out very small and now very big, um, I hear them clunking at four o'clock in the morning, uh, bad enough, and then you've got Dog Pro just at 99 Sergeant's Road where they want to build um, this uh, proposed concrete crusher, uh, 4,000 square metres housed in a... Um, in a shed, but uh, smashing away six days a week from six to seven in the morning till six o'clock at night. Now, um, these guys shouldn't have... They, they come in on the proposal of uh, recycling and that's how they get a leg in the door and they just build and build. Two k's down the uh, road is Woodlands Park, which is industrial site. They're all in there happy. There's not a hardly a house around. They've done great down there. They're pushing out and because uh, we know what's uh, what's going to... But I agree with you with these panels. We've just lost Windsor Bridge. I just passed Windsor Bridge and I've seen a, the police are on the, in a boat down there rounding up uh, protesters on jet skis over the demolition of the bridge. It's gone down. Um, Barry, uh, Barry Calvert, our mayor, is not happy that they're destroying Windsor Bridge. We all know it's a bigger, uh, a bigger picture there where the thundering of double Bs, again, will become cr- crushing across that, that bridge from Freeman's Reach where the uh, sand allocation will be going on for years because the sand is 14 metres deep and Barry told me that and um, Badgerys Creek Airport has to be built and it will be built by the finest sand in the country opposed to recycled concrete that goes into concrete uh, as we know it today. 80% of uh, concrete that's poured has got 70-80% recycled um, but not uh, for Badgerys because they want an airport. Now, there's, there's another panel that the state government, as we're talking, Nathan, Windsor Bridge is gone. 
Is that another uh, thing that was taken out of council hands? Well, all right then. So development at that level is what's called state significant. So it goes way up the chain. And uh, since the inception of the Windsor Bridge replacement project, council has been engaged, but only to the degree that council has a stake in the uh, the form or the maintenance of the precinct that's given back to us. Right. Once the state government have packed up and gone home. So there's land that's been resumed. There's obviously a significant change to the shape of Thompson Square. That will result in a net increase in public space. And once that cutting's filled in and the two corners of the square have been reunited, there'll be more public space than there used to be. And council has a role in saying, well, look, there needs to be a heritage interpretation plan. We have to use the appropriate fabrics in that space to make sure that it's compliant and sympathetic with the heritage of the area because it's a very, very historic space. So you want to use sandstone and you can use wrought iron and you've got to make sure that the lighting looks right and that the landscaping is done properly. And it's been baffling to me that there are a number of councillors that sought election to council on this issue of Windsor Bridge and Thompson Square and who have spent the last four years with their fingers in their ears trying to put a wedge in between this process between the state government and council to deliver the best outcome. And I feel that the mistake they made was assuming that, you know, that this should never happen and it had to be stopped. And I was more pragmatic and I said, I think the state government's going to have its way here. They have jurisdiction. They are going to replace Windsor Bridge and they're going to remove the old bridge. And council has an obligation to get the best outcome out of that reality and they worked from their premise and I've worked from mine. And, you know, I think that once the new project is complete, it's going to be something that the community is going to be really proud of. It's a bit rough around the edges now, but that's because the new bridge is only barely opened. The roadworks are still going on. Freeman's Reach Road has only just been opened this week. The landscaping isn't complete. I say to the listeners, wait till the project is complete because I think it's going to be something we can be proud of. Yeah, I've seen the 3D of it. Uh, in the cassette, put that out from the air and how it all works um, in 3D. I think it'll look good too. It's a pity we lost the bridge, but um, we, we fought the good fight and now it's time to move on because it's going. And uh, we, we know it's going, be- well, we know it's going, um, but the reasons for it's going is a, is a bigger political thing with the state government where is scenarios where the, they want that bridge gone. They said uh, the bridge has got to go because if uh, there's a flood, it'll take the old bridge out, it'll take the new, which is, I think, is a fallacy because it's been there for 160, well, 1874 or something, mm-hmm. um, and, they, and they can't barge sand down. So the bigger picture is Badgery Creek. I said that to Barry Calvert last week. Watch this space in the year or two and you'll see them thundering across there. Um, but as you say, I've, I've seen the thing and it does look great, so it's time to move on from that now. I think it is, and there's a lot of exciting projects in the pipeline that you know that, that will revitalise our town centres. I'll just correct a couple of things that you said. Right. I mean, the business of sand mining and barging sand down the river is a furphy. It comes up frequently. I have a stock response. Uh, there are a number of sites up and down the river where, where sand mining used to occur or dredging. Most of them are downstream from the current bridge. Only one of them was upstream. And, of course, in this day and age, nothing's taken out by barges anymore. If you're taking sand out of the river, it's taken out by road. So the idea that the bridge project was conceived to favour uh, river dredges or sand miners is, is, is wrong and it's always been wrong. And I suspect the people that put this about know that it's wrong too. Right. Um, as far as the 
heritage value of the old bridge is concerned, the, the, the visible part of the bridge, the concrete deck, was not a heritage item. That, that was a concrete deck that was added in 1924. The really historic part of the bridge are the iron pylons that were driven deep into the river bedrock. And I'll give them their due. They've done sterling service uh, for over a century. And the minister, Minister Constance, who came out recently, said, well, look, there's got to be some way that we can honour that heritage and provide a memorial of the service that that bridge gave us. Could we preserve some portion of the fabric of the bridge, maybe like a pylon or something like that, and make it into some kind of public sculpture? That discussion is ongoing. I'll also mention that the, new, the old bridge is being kept up to its first span and it'll be turned into a viewing platform. So they'll take the, the main span off They'll keep it out to the first set of pylons that jut into the river and that'll be turned into a beautiful viewing platform for the area. And I think that also will be a good memorial of the bridge that used to stand there. I don't agree with those people that think of this whole project as the rape and pillage of a precious historic square. Uh, look at the case of the, um, the, 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 the so-called smugglers' tunnels. They're brick barrel drains that date back to Macquarie's day. Their existence was legendary. I heard about it when I was a boy and some older people said that they kind of knew where they came out or went in. As a result of this project, we were able to do some wonderful archaeology and uncover and do a proper archaeological assessment of the whole network and then very carefully cover them up as they have been covered up for the better part of a century or more and then keep them intact. The positions of the pylons of the new bridge, where the piers get driven down into the, the soil, those were moved so as not to disturb the precious archaeology that's under the, under the surface. So we've uncovered something that would have never been uncovered. We've had a good look at it. We've done our archaeological survey and we've recorded it for posterity. And now we've carefully covered it back up and it's still there. Right. I mean, public spaces are changing spaces. You know, you can go back to old maps of Thompson Square, and you can see that the shape of that square has changed. The cutting wasn't always there. The sinuous way that you got down to the river's edge with a cart or a horse or oxen or something like that, that's changed. Um, the structure of the bridge has changed. This is simply the latest change. And I wonder whether a century from now, the descendants of these protesters will be fighting just as hard for the preservation of the new bridge and the heritage that they will think that it represents to the area. I, well, Nathan, I, I've got to say, you know, I, I interview the mayor and Susan Teltman and other uh, people from council, and I must say that you're probably one of the best articulate speakers I've ever seen. It's hard to argue against you for some reason because your your knowledge is um, is, is second to none. Oh, well, thank and, you very and, much. And your argument is probably a good one as well. Um, so I've got no comeback there, and I think other people might hear that and maybe agree. Well, um, well, here's what I lament. There's a lot of emotion in this. There and, is. And, and I have good friends uh, among Corb and the various groups that have a heart for history. I mean, I'm a qualified history teacher. That's one of my trained vocations. And uh, I value our history very much. My family's a part of this area's history. My six times great-grandfather died here in right. Windsor, then Green Hills, in the flood of uh, 1810. Uh, so, you know, everyone's got roots that kind of go back. And... Uh, I, I lament the way that this has strained friendships and I lament the way that it's, it's goaded some people to be a little loose with the truth. So there was a building in Thompson Square, a very precious heritage building, 
and they slung a banner on it for, for three years saying scheduled for demolition. Now, the people that put that banner there knew that that building was never scheduled for demolition, ever. But they put that sign there because it inflamed community passions and it caused people to sign petitions mm. and attempt attend protest rallies and so forth. I try and walk a middle ground with this. Uh, I do lament the construction of this new bridge to the degree that it represents a shortfall in our long-term thinking. I think elected representatives, uh, the community expects us to think long-term. So here we are, we've spent over $100 million on a bridge that replaces another bridge in exactly the same place. Right, yes. We're committing another century's worth of traffic to traverse through Thompson Square, very historic square. That's short-sighted. You know, back when this was being looked at and approved a decade ago, they should have more seriously considered a bypass. They should have built a new bridge somewhere else, maybe downstream, maybe upstream. There were various options. I have my own pet ideas about that. I'd have gone... I'd have gone across the river at Pitt Town and joined up with Wilberforce. Where exactly. Punt, where Punt Road is. Where, where was, I think it was supposed to go. My yeah. brother showed he's a surveyor and he showed me photos where that was supposed to come down Singleton Road, cut across to um, uh, the Wharf Road over Pitt Town and down across to Stockbridge Road and out to Old Windsor Road. That's right. There was, there, there was a punt that ran across that river for over a century uh, back in the day and if the people in Pitt Town didn't want that kind of traffic traversing directly through their village, I'd understand that. So then you'd back it off a little and you'd take what's called the Linwood option and you'd turn off Pitt Town Road at Linwood and you'd go across the turf farms there um, beneath the lagoon and you could cut across downstream. And all of these options, I thought, would have been better options. Nevertheless, what's done is done. We have the new bridge there now. I think ultimately it's going to be something that the community is going to be proud of. What it teaches us are lessons that really have to be learned. We have now the prospect of another river crossing at North Richmond. It's badly needed. Anybody that's stuck in that traffic at Richmond yes, and North Richmond very bad. morning and afternoon know what I'm talking about. Well, we have to do that community consultation properly. We have to make sure that we choose the route carefully, that it's fully costed, that the federal government's on board and the state government's on board with the right amount of funding to get the right option. So I don't necessarily favour a bridge that's an exact duplication right next to the existing bridge if it dumps all of that extra traffic back into the heart of North Richmond. Well, it's, not, it's only one, it all goes into a one-lane road still. That's right. So there are options that are being looked at upstream and downstream. The options report will be finalised, I hope, before the end of this year. Right. And then the community can have a proper conversation about whether the amount of money that's been offered is enough to deliver that outcome, whether everybody's on board with that outcome. We do not want to see Corb Mark II with the North Richmond Bridge. We want to bring people with us. Exactly. And, um, of course, you have Red Bank up there now and, and um, I've, I've, uh, well, my partner lives up there, Gross Wild, and I've, I was shocked by the amount of traffic comes down there now, thundering down there. And there's another 5,000 houses in Kingsford Smiths going up there. We have uh, Freeman's Reach, Gloss, Gloss Audi or Gloss Vegas, as people call it. There's another <laughs> few more thousand houses. Wow, infrastructure, infrastructure. Yeah, and infrastructure has to come first. Yes. And, and, and to cite Redback as the example, when Redbank was proposed, it was proposed that there would be a new crossing of the Gross River. So this is separate from the North Richmond the, crossing that's being proposed, but there's a new bridge that's going to be built across the Gross River between... From the developer? Fr well, paid completely, completely by, by the developer. Who wanted another 100 houses now, in it. this predates my time on council. I didn't, right. I didn't get a chance to vote on that. I'm not sure how I would have voted on that. But I do acknowledge that if you're going to propose a development like that, you've got to have the appropriate infrastructure as part of the package. 
So the houses are going in at Red Bank now, and it will be some time, but we will see that bridge at Gross Vale at a particular location that's still being finalised, and it will be, crucially, completely funded by the developer. They're on the hook. There's a voluntary planning agreement that says that they have to pay for that bridge regardless of how much it costs and council has every intention of keeping them on the hook so that that's delivered i hope in a timely fashion well we hear from a couple of years ago when pit town the big developments went there and they were supposed to build a park out there i hear i'm not sure if it's true or not they they re- reneged on building a park out there so uh, uh, that's that's right i've got a very good relationship with the pit town progress association right and it's uh, president and executive peter ryan and and Vince and the others, and, you know, uh, I've followed this for very many years. I think that the people at Pitt Town were terribly let down yeah. by Keith Johnson, the developer, Johnson Property right. Group. They came in and they promised the earth yeah. and they delivered an atlas, a very small atlas. My God. Uh, there was a lot of infrastructure and community benefits that were promised. There was going to be a river walk, there was going to be a community hall, there were going to be additions to the lands for Pittown Public School, there was going to be Fernadale Park, there was going to be footpaths and playing fields and all kinds of stuff. And uh, they were let off the hook in a very dark and shady way, in my opinion. By government? By by successive governments. And uh, I think the Pittown community were, were diddled. Case in point, uh, they were supposed to pay for the upgrade of Mulgrave Railway Station car park, which is a third world car park. You go there now, it's full of craters. Uh, Yes. You you park there, you need a four-wheel drive just to get across the curb and to put your car in so you can catch a train from Mulgrave. That was supposed to be paid for as part of the development. And as Pitt Town keep on telling me, you know, they've paid for this. They've paid for this through developer levies and the money disappeared and, you know, now it's the responsibility of the state government to step up and honour the commitment that was made to Pitt Town is that if you have to endure a degree of development, these community infrastructure uh, ha- have to come along with it and in a timely fashion, not lagging behind it by five or ten years yes. when it's needed. And we're still waiting. But, you know, uh, I'm really heartened by the work that our state member of parliament, Robin Preston, is doing She's a real. Yeah. She's a real. Go- she's she's been in the studio before. So is she the one that we can? She's the go-to person. She, that- she is the go-to person. She is a real go-getter, and she's working very hard on behalf of the local community. And she's well aware of these issues. And she goes away and does her thing. She has conversations with ministers and and committees, and and then we see what comes up in the budget. Uh, this year's state budget will has been delayed. It will be delivered in November. I'm looking forward to seeing some funding for local initiatives in the November budget. Let's see what happens. For sure. And and, and so now that the developers will be kept um, kept, to mo- kept modest, so the developer of North Richmond has to build that bridge? Can he renege like that other mob? Uh, they tried, but so far they've failed in the sense that it is a legally binding agreement. Oh, and, God. You know, there have been things that have suggested. They wanted to hand the money back and th- this was just a negotiating ploy, I think, but I won't say too much more about it. Okay, that's fair ex- enough. Except to say that at the moment there is an accord between council and the developer and the state government to build the bridge. And that, that remains the case. And we're finessing around the edges where it should be and when it should happen and what the triggers should be in terms of how many lots are sold and when there's enough money in the kitty and uh, who does the final design work and approval and so forth and who does the land acquisition. All of those things are in play. Uh, it's just taken more than I would have preferred and I hear and I share the frustration of the community about how long it's taken. 
because these developers, it's all about money. That's all they ever see is money. So they pro- procrastinate. As lo- you know, the longer they procrastinate, the more he- houses that get built. And she said, "Yeah, I'll get back to you shortly about building it." So, but what you say, Nathan, is that they're legally bound to do that, and there should be heavy penalties if they don't. Well, I don't know about I don't know about penalties because we're not proceeding in a punitive fashion. We're proceeding in a cooperative fashion. But that negoti- at the moment that negotiation is being conducted by council, and that's 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 all we'll say at the moment. Uh, but, I mean, you, you raised this broader point about development and infrastructure. I mean, a, another huge piece of development that the council's going to endure in the coming years is is it Vineyard, because there's a portion of the northwest growth precinct that crept over our boundary and is in our council area, and it's that area that's defined by uh, Windsor Road, Boundary Road, yep. Commercial Road, Menon Road. There's a portion that's on the southern side of of Windsor Road, there's going to be thousands of houses that go in there. Mm. And there's a developer levy that should be accompanied on the sale of every block so that council can step in and do all of the things that it needs to do. Roads, footpaths, street lighting, other street furniture, uh, ecological preservation, uh, silt traps, looking after the local creeks and all the rest of it. Now, there's a pot of money that the state government had in various areas to help fund that infrastructure. It was called LIGS, Local Infrastructure Growth Scheme. And curiously, we weren't eligible for it. I've written wow. to I've written to the member, I've written to the treasurer about this, I'm still chasing it. Uh, but what it means is that without that state government support, council has to place a higher levy on each block to the developer to pay for the infrastructure. So council came up with a developer contribution plan and we sent that across to IPART, who's supposed to be the independent umpire to give the tick on that, and they knocked it back. And they said, mm-hmm. no, 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 you've you've greatly overestimated your land acquisition costs. And council said, well, that's interesting. Um, we based our figures for land acquisition on the value of general. Pray tell, why are the value of general's figures too high? Because you force us to use the value of general's figures when we calculate rates. everyone's rates. That's right. And there's a lot of and, people... And council cop the blame. There's a lot of people, especially in that neck of the yeah. woods around Vineyard and Oakville and Moralia... Rates. Who, ...whose rates have gone up two or threefold because the value of general tells them that their land values have doubled or tripled. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I think it's rather cheeky for the state government to come back to us and tell us that, you know, our figures are wrong when we're relying on their figures. Yeah, it's an understatement. And, of course, we we talked about the some elderly couple out of Oakville. I used to live there years ago um, that, you know, the rates went from 3300 9300 a year. Yeah, people can't afford that. People can't afford it. No, look, there, there are three categories of people out that way. There are people that feel a real connection with that land because they've been there for generations and, they're, they're, you know, their names are on the street signs. They've been there that long. And they're being priced out of existence. They're being taxed off their own land because their income hasn't changed. Many of them are retired now. Yeah, that's right. And they can't afford to pay these rates simply because, on a speculative basis, land values have increased because there's development that's happening on the other side of Boundary Road. The second category of people are people that have bought in more recently. They don't feel that same emotional connection to the land. What they've made is an investment. And they see what's happening nearby and they want to cash in. They can't wait for that area, our area, to be rezoned so that they can subdivide their land and get their bucket of money. And then, unfortunately, there is a third category of people. There are people that are stuck in the middle and they're being forced to contemplate subdivision or selling up because they they can't afford it. 
They, 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 they can't the afford... The rates alone. They can't afford the rates. And I might add, council hasn't done them any favours. Council's hit them with a triple whammy. Not only did the value, value of general come across and say, your land values have gone up, but council, earlier in this term, changed the rating formula that turned the knob up on uh, the effect of land value as a part of the function that calculates everybody's rates. And then council applied for a special rate variation that jacked everybody's rates up by a further third over a a three or four year period. Now, I'm pleased to say that I and my fellow Liberal councillors were people that voted against that. And we want to see a fairer rating system. And I'd remind your listeners that the only way that they're going to get a fairer rating system is at the next election, depending on how they vote for the new chamber. Right, um, Nathan, yeah, yeah, we're getting, we're getting close to winding up. Um, how do you reckon the election will go? Uh, is it going to be uh, Barry uh, Calvert or Mary Lyons Bucket? Well, okay then, so you're talking about the election internally within the council for the mayor and the deputy mayor's position. Um, uh, here's the thing, I like Mary and I like Barry. So do I. I make, I make a concerted effort to get along because I think the community expect mm. me to get along. I don't hold grudges. Others <clears throat> might. I won't name names, but uh, you know I've got a I've got my work cut out to to get along with Barry or Mary. I wish them both well. Uh, I have a view about who it should be, and I shall keep it to myself for the time being. <laughs> so, do you think the two names will go into a hat again? Well, I mean that's what happened last time. I know, yeah. Uh, and you know you must have a, an additional sense of fate if your name is pulled out of a hat. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's strange in the democratic uh, country living that there the can't there isn't isn't a deciding vote. Well, I mean, if the chamber is evenly split and you've got an even number of councillors, that's just the way it is. It's so it's, it's the hand of fate. It's the hand of fate. <laughs> <laughs> Radio, uh, Nathan, it's been a pleasure interviewing you today. You're very articulate in what you're doing. You're a pretty switched-on guy, one of the more switched-on guys or pl- politicians I've had in here. And um, you're right with you talking about this panel that the state government employs to take the infrastructure and things that uh, are involved with people in the uh, in the community away from you guys, makes you look bad, and we could come up with any result uh, they make decisions on black and white decisions because they're not involved with the community. They're people that the government um, elects yeah. or puts in there, they they perceive that are the best people for that position. Well, I'm I'm only a humble councillor, and I, I I'm I always remind myself, and if not others mm-hmm. remind me, that I'm at the bottom of the political food chain. I will continue to advocate on this subject on behalf of people that that share that view, and I suspect most people do. Okay, Nathan, again, thank you for coming in and you're quite welcome to come in any time. And uh, we'll see you again down the track. Cheers. There you have it. Um, Nathan, Nathan, can you tell them your name again? Zampronio. Zampronio. And I might add, for people who uh, are engaged by what we've discussed today, they can Google my name. I've got a Facebook page. I've got a website. Please follow me for further updates.